Hello and welcome to the Xbox World Strongcast for the 20th of May, Friday the 20th. God, it's uh, getting on in the year, isn't it? It's almost halfway through already, I don't know where, where the time's gone. That's such a British thing to say. It's like we're sitting here going, oh, time's getting on. It's going yeah, to be winter soon. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that, I was going back home. It's not even uh, summer last, yet. Last night on the train, thinking, man, I, I do like it when I get home and it's still bright. Be getting dark soon. <laughs> yeah, we getting dark soon. Oh, it's, it's just around the corner. Oh, you know what? It's, it's like oh, it's a brilliant day today. Oh, it's going to rain tomorrow. It's so British, man. This is this, this is the thing that British people occupy themselves with all the time. What makes us endearing, though, right? Yeah, well, maybe. maybe. Okay, so I'm Mike, and I'm here with Matt. Yeah, hello, Matt. Uh, no, Tim today. He's back in the office wrapping up our uh, our latest issue. It puts us actually on a pretty good track going into E3 uh, next month. E3 begins on the 7th, there's conferences on the 6th, and our next issue will be finishing basically during the week of E3. I think just so, the week after, so just we the week after, to get yeah, so we're everything gonna, from the show. So Matt's going to come back, Matt's going to Los Angeles for us. I am. Going to get every scrap of skin burned off his pale British body. In the searing Los Angeles heat. Actually, you won't, because you won't see any sunshine the entire time you're I mean, there. Big conference halls. Yeah, all you do is travel between locations and and sit in lengthy meetings. So Matt will be back just in time to hand over all the, the exclusive interviews, all the uh, exclusive hands-on stuff he's got. And then our July issue is going to be a storm. Yeah. That's not to say that our June one isn't. Our June one's pretty special as well. But there's a couple of games we cover in the June one we'd like to sort of cover on the podcast today. There are. I mean, it, we as ever, we're going to begin this podcast by talking about what we've been playing. Yeah. Uh, and we've been playing a few things this month. Uh, I guess we should start off with the biggie. Today is the, well, today's the 19th, tomorrow's the 20th. What comes out? L.A. Noir, mm. One of the most hotly anticipated games of the year. Um, and we've both been playing it. You more than me. You've finished it, Mike. Yeah, I I'm only it. a few hours in. Yeah, I did the review. And that's when, like, you know, it's like because of uh, print deadlines being what they are, we kind of got... Uh, shafted on the NDA again as usual and uh, as a result our review won't be going up online until uh, when we go in the magazine rather until it's June 6th uh, subscri- subscribers will get it a little yeah. bit earlier subscribers yeah. get it about the 3rd or 4th yeah um, but I can say what I gave it because you know it's, it's, you know, it's all open now um, I give it an 86 uh, got some complaints but generally speaking I really liked it and this is uh, this is coming off the back of me sitting here and Having a, a, a bit of fun uh, at the game's expense a few podcasts ago. <laughs> what to say? They all look like so, boglins. They look like boglins, and and they, they still do look kind of weird to me. <laughs> it's it's funny, you know. The the biggest problem that I've got with the game, I think, is is two things. Uh, one, the game is massively derivative. It really is. I mean, it's it's in the same way that Red Dead was derivative, in the same way that GTA is derivative. It's not sort of a game about noir. It's about. It's more like a game about. A load of things Rockstar have seen that's noir related, mm-hmm. you know. In the same way that Red Dead was like a lo- all of you, all your favourite bits from a load of different westerns, all sort of cobbled together, and and you know they made a game out of it. In the same in the same way, Alien Noir is very much a bunch of a uh, bunch of Elroy novels. I, I kind of like very that. very I'll... much Ellie Confidential. I mean, the guy, the lead character, the guy you play, is absolutely Guy Pearce in Ellie Confidential. Oh, without I mean, doubt. I mean, he's absolutely he is that guy. I like that it's derivative though. It feels like I'm playing a lengthy montage of all my my favourite memories from a, a time period. It certainly yeah. was for Red Dead. There, well, I was going to say there was no filler. There actually was quite a bit of filler in, lot, Red Dead, filler in Red Dead. But not as much in LA Noir. It's very no, punchy. Red Dead's very, yeah, it's got, it really belts along. When you think all you're doing is like, you know, scouring crime scenes, 
going on to the yeah. next scene, scouring that one, questioning someone. So much for our prediction of like directing traffic for two hours at the start because yeah. we figured it would be a very slow, very dull opening. No, and, yeah, and it gets, it's straight you get in into the game so so fast. Like the very first thing you do in the game is investigate a crime scene. Yeah. That's setting out your table, right? That's that Absolutely. really is saying like. You know, this is what this game's about. Because it ain't about shooting, let's say that. No. The game is probably overall about 15% action. The rest is all investigation, questioning, interrogation, talking to people. And that's for the best. Because the action sequences ain't no good. Ain't no good. Like, there's, there's Basically, action sequences break down into a couple of different things. One will be like a shootout. It should be cover-based shooter, much in the style of GTA, but without any of the punch you get from the GTA guns or from... Um, from Red Dead's guns, yeah. because they've there's no euphoria. Red Dead's guns felt great. Yeah, like, you see the bodies cartwheeling away when you. See, fire yeah, it was all the, the better for euphoria. You shoot them in the hand, they're like, "Oh my <laughs> hand!" Like, and you in a in in, in Eleanor, you shoot someone in the hand, it's just like, Poof. yeah, no problem. Shot get off. Yeah, keep on trucking. Shot got in the chest. If I got shot in the hand, I'd be the biggest pussy. Oh, I'd be like, please, oh, don't, don't hurt me, please, and I'd be on my knees, just like actually crying. Like a man. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, listen, I'm doing what I need to do to survive. I think I think you've definitely got a point about the... See, I like the faces, but your boggling comment certainly rang true with my wife because I'm playing it at home. I, I was saving the game until I'm back home and I could play it with her. Well, well, well let's go back to the action stuff. I wasn't even, wasn't even slightly done with the, talking about the action okay, stuff. Okay, well, all, all I'll say is very quick anecdote. Yeah. I, we started the game and she started screaming. She's like, that's freaky. I don't like those faces. They're so strange. And they're weird. I don't like it. You, what know, they you know what I think it is? I think, I said this to you already, so I'm going to say it to you now like, like you've never heard it before. So for the benefit of the listeners. Um, I think it's that the faces are so high def and so good that when they're, when they're juxtaposed against, ooh, scrabble word, juxtaposed against the, um, the uh, really low definition backgrounds yeah. you get in a lot of rooms, like this warp, this massively low res wallpaper that's behind yeah. you. The screenshots that you'll see in magazines and online are almost exclusively from a PC build of the game which doesn't exist. Because there's no PC version of the game, but it is the game running on a massively high-end mm. PC with textures that I say, man, alive, I swear, they ain't the same textures I was playing with. Because sometimes you'll be sitting there and you'll see this awful 40s wallpaper behind some housewife <laughs> and her face looks great and the wallpaper will be like 8x8. Eight eight. It's just <laughs> porridge against yeah, it, the wall. It's just a mess. And it's just like, it just, because of that, it makes the faces look a bit too good, yep. almost. And that's the thing. If, like, it's like if you can complain about something looking too good, I guess it's not really a problem, but... Anyway, the action sequences break down into like there'll be car chases occasionally, shootouts, foot chases, foot chases, and the foot chases themselves break down into a couple of different things. In some of them, you can you got to shoot the guy down. In some of them, you got to hold your gun over them just for long mm -hmm. enough that they stop, basically, yeah. which is quite good. And I thought when I first introduced that mechanic, that's the way all chases were going to be. Yeah. But no, in, in actual fact, most chases are purely scripted bullshit. If they get too far ahead of you, they'll slow right down. Right. If they you get too close to them, they will speed up. There is no way to catch them until the game saves hey, that you. Hey, that's been true for a long time. It happened in GTA 4. GTA 4 had car chases 
with exactly that pattern. If and you got to LA Noir has car chases which do the same thing. So, well. um, I mean, it's it's not something new for Rockstar. No. They've been doing it for a while. And it is still bullshit. It was bullshit. It's as bullshit now as it ever I d- was. I do like the simplicity of the chases, though. They're, I mean, they're building this game very much as a game for non-gamers as much as it is for gamers. Um, and I like how when you're chasing someone, say, up to a rooftop, all you need to do is hold up and it will automatically up all the stairways. You don't have to worry about yeah. manually well, going around the stairway. Have you noticed if you walk into someone's house, all you got to do is hold up on the stick and he'll, 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 he, will, he will walk along the exact path he needs yeah. to walk to get into their comfortable chair so you can do the question. But I, I still don't feel like I'm necessarily on rails all the time no. I still feel like I do have the freedom if I want it. it which is a very clever trick so they can they've designed a game that you know my wife could absolutely pick up and play and, well the beauty is, is like if she gets stuck on an action sequence she can just, just skip, skip it right yeah. every action sequence in the game can be skipped if you fail it three times in a row you just skip onto the next one you and get that's your partner to drive for like, you there's a stealth section late in the game which is so bad like you can see it's, it's so nice being able to just skip your way through right. all of that but um yeah, it's, it does feel like a game that sort of anyone can play, and that's, that's be, I think that's being proven right now by the world's worst gamer, Tim Weaver, ploughing through, ploughing on through uh, the campaign and loving He's every loving bit of it. it. Yeah, yeah, no, um, no, we were quite going into the game. I mean, I knew I'd already, I was going to like it because I went over to Rockstar, played it for a couple of hours. Tim had seen it, I think, a month before. He knew he was going to like it. I think you were the the one guy in the office who we weren't quite, quite sure whether yeah. or not get on with it, but uh, I think. For the first hour, you weren't one hundred percent sure you you were. I was I was or? sitting in a chair hooting with laughter, <laughs> literally hooting. Every time I saw someone's face, I just started <laughs> laughing. But after a while, you kind of accept the reality. I do of find their that, faces. Professor. So the first mission, you pick up a newspaper, and it takes. You, so when you collect newspapers, it takes you to a different story, like a side story. And did you say they're all the same story? It's all part of one. Story yeah, it's always basically they're all connected anyway. Okay, so the first one is a guy who goes up to a university lecturer. To talk to him about um, like post-war stress. He's a he's and a doctor. Yeah. A doctor. Okay. Yeah, he's a, a guy who runs like um. Has he a got clinic, a rehab clinic kind of thing? Yeah. He has a freaky face. Yeah. Like, it, it looks like he's got like um like polythene wrapped around his head <laughs> and then pulled back slightly. His wrinkles disappear and and one come back the into focus. One for Star Trek fans, he looks like one of the Sona from uh. No, is it Sona the bad guys? The good guys? I don't know. The um the whichever ones are the bad guys in uh, Star Trek Insurrection the worst Star Trek movie ever he looks like that you know it's a part where they stretch their faces he looks like that so it's a big old game yeah it's a very big game it's like 20 hours with no bullshit I sat there in the office thinking I could truck through it in two days and I was there for four but Bondi came out the other day saying that originally it was a bigger game and it was on six discs yeah now uh, now they say a lot of it is down to compression but I tell you what, there were rumours that two, well, not even rumours, I think it's been confirmed, there were two desks that, that were cut out. Yeah, um, burglary and, and fraud. Fraud, yeah. What are the chances they're going to be DLC? I think it's very, I think it's impossible for them not to be DLC. Yeah. I think they were almost probably complete. They probably recorded all the dialogue for it. They probably yeah. recorded everything for it and realised they couldn't release a five disc game. Uh, of course, on PlayStation, it's only one disc. Yeah. So, just on Blu-ray. Mean, that's you know the nature of um the nature of Xbox is that you these days like games are filling out the discs. I'm not sure what they're filling it out with. The the world's pretty big, and of course the world has to occupy the whole yeah. disc. But um I think mostly it's just high def audio and video, and mm. that is that's how you'll fill up a disc real real quick. The audio I would imagine would be 
pretty sizable. Are there a lot of cutscenes? Is it not just all in game? Sure. Yeah, I, I just wonder how much like information they got to pack in for the face because it, it yeah. often does look like it looks like video laid over the top of like face sometimes. I know it's not, but it often looks that way. Having had the benefit of, of finishing the game, might uh, are these uh, pieces of DLC going to fit in seamlessly, or are they not seamless? Like- if you finish the game, and they can fit in seamlessly in the least without spoiling the end of the game. Mm-hmm. The only thing they can do is make them Insert a separate it. mission, like okay. basically like a separate mode on the menu, yeah, and rewind the story to that point. Okay, I because mean we know we can select individual cases anyway, so that's not a problem. The way the, the way the story is left at the end of the game, it, it basically means like you couldn't just have Phelps who in his position at the end of the game going back and yeah. being like, oh, I still do some fraud cases while I'm here, guys. <laughs> No props. Fair enough. Like, you couldn't, it would have to be a separate menu. I mean, I guess if in theory they could insert it for people who'd never played the game before yeah. and vastly extend the game. I mean, because we've already seen there are exclusive bits of um, exclusive cases offered for pre various pre order bonuses. Uh, GameStop were offering one, yeah. one incentive, another retailer, a different one. And uh, I think Rockstar tends to do this quite a bit, but eventually I think you'll find they'll all be available via DLC. It might be a year down the line. Yeah, um, probably, but I think be probably a couple come. of months. Mm, for the exclusive things, I, I think it might be a little bit later, perhaps yeah. when the ma- major DLC is all shipped. They've already got this Rockstar Pass thing on the go, though. I think as soon as the Rockstar Pass becomes active, people, people are going to start getting free DLC. You know? I'd like to see what other cases they've got. I mean, I was, I, I was expecting it. It was quite surprising to have a very punchy opening i was expecting a very slow almost like red dead style opening wonder whether the litigation desk comes along and you have to just fill out paperwork for an hour yeah because it should be the, the end game right we, we were right up your reports and stuff yeah right enough on the old 360 pad i think one of the coolest things about the game though is that you recognize people like you recognize actors i think i've said this on the podcast before there's so many character actors in the game that you've just seen in tv shows and in movies and all over the Pretty place. Pretty much everyone from Mad Men, I understand. Yeah, it, it, those, those guys aren't that recognisable to me because I'm not a big Mad okay. Men fan, but it's just like you'll see guys that you just be like, oh, the coroner. The coroner is like, he's turned up in like a million okay. things. You don't know his the actor's name, you just know his face. There's Walter from Fringe, I'm a big Fringe fan. There's yeah. a guy from Heroes and Alias. And so. these people were like, because they were actually acting on a soundstage, you know, being mo-capped, the performances are all great. It's really, you know, the performances are real good. Like I say, they're, they're reading some massively derivative stuff and the story is massively derivative all the way through are there any terrible actors is there anyone in there that you just think man they should have got someone else there's one or two like people you end up questioning are slightly duff but no not really most people are pretty good I mean because they actually had to have their faces in the game it wasn't just like it wasn't just them sitting like we are right now in a studio recording into a microphone the performances are pretty good you know people actually turned up with their acting heads on okay and genuinely, like it's genuinely impressive all the way through. It's, the, the, the performances carry the game. They they sell you on the uh, the weak plot. And there's um a point. Um, again, I'm try, trying. I'm going to avoid spoilers. But there's at least one very disappointing plot twist in the game, which essentially you'll be ahead of the, the on that twist. Way you'll be way ahead of Phelps. You were saying in the office, like Phelps is a detective, but at times he's not that good a detective. Yeah, Phelps, there's certain avenues you won't be able to, the game won't allow you to investigate because Phelps hasn't worked it out, even though you've worked it out. And that's absolutely not what the game should be. Mm. And the the game's at its best when you you feel like you're you're being a detective and you're really investigating stuff. And there's one point in the murder cases, and I bet everybody at home has the exact same thing. If you've got your brain even slightly switched on, this will happen. You'll sit there and you'll go, you'll hear a line and you'll go, that, that, that reminds me of something that happened earlier. 
is Phelps not gonna check out, like not gonna like look into this? And then he doesn't. And you got right. you gotta go for three more cases before Phelps picks up on the thing that you already knew yeah. like three hours ago. That's a problem, man. That's that's not what the game should ever be. The the the, the one rule, the principal rule of detective fiction, of thrillers. Mm. And we've got a thriller writer in the office yeah. who, who's like who sat there and vouched for this. The number one rule of thrillers is you never let the audience get too far ahead. Yeah. You've got to keep everyone guessing. You were saying you've got to throw some you know, false truths in there. You've got to... You've got to lie not, to the reader. Lie to a point. Like, not... Yeah. not you, you've still got to put the clues there, though. You've got to a lot of information. Yeah, but you've got to put something down. Because so, you can't turn to the last page of a book or get to the last case of a you know a 20 hour game and be like bam it's this killer you've never That's seen what before a movie, i think never- i'm not sure if it's called calendar girl it had um kevin klein in it. it's a t- t- detective movie and it's about a guy who was killing like a girl every month or something okay and at the end of the film uh by the way spoilers if you're ever <laughs> interested in watching the kevin klein vehicle calendar man or whatever it was called again calendar girl i don't know i don't remember but uh someone will be able to tell us on facebook at the end of the film, it gets to like the reveals the killer, and he, they like they basically like do a Scooby Doo whip the mask off the guy. They're like, "It's this guy," and some detective goes, "Who is he?" And Kevin Klein goes, "That's just the thing. He's a nobody." And he's literally a guy you've never seen before in the movie. <laughs> That's awful. Like what an unsatisfying ending. The, like, endings don't get any more disappointing. They, I think. I mean, when I watch a film or you know read a book or anything, I like to try and work things out. Mm. I always like it when I'm outsmarted. I, yeah, I like. But it also, it, you like it when you do work it out just at the last minute. Yeah, just as a piece is about to fall into place, you go, "I know what's going to happen." I did that in fact with Silent Hill: Shattered Memories, the the Wii exclusive Silent Hill game. Great, great game, by the way. I, I thoroughly recommend it, despite there being a few horror problems. Um, five minutes before the end of the game, and a twist was revealed. I figured it out. And I was so happy. I was so proud that it kept me, you know, it strung me along for about eight hours and I hadn't seen it. And then just before it punched me in the face, I dived and I, I worked it out. So happy. You know what that means? What's that? that needs? <laughs> but it's a perfect example. You need to have a chance and you need to figure it out. But you, you, you cannot have two obvious yeah. clues so that you're so and far ahead. there is of, one of clue which gets given away. And also the final resolution of that story itself is massively disappointing. Right. And you kind of look back on all the cases you've done already that, that day and, well, well, you know, that in, in that section of cases, mm-hmm. you just kind of like, wow, that's, that's, that's really changed the way, that changed the meaning of the, those cases, you know. Okay. Um, I'm also going to say I don't know if it's a good detective game. I really liked it. Okay. It made me feel like a great detective. But I don't know if it does a, re- does a really good impression of a detective game um, or if it, you're actually detecting stuff. If you're actually solving these cases, okay. I don't know. Because the game is so good at making you feel like you are. Yeah. It might just be you're completely being fed all the way through the game. It could be that from case one to the final case, they're absolutely just feeding you all the little bits you need. It's like there's little things which give, kind of give it away to me. Like, so I've questioned people in that game and blown every yeah, single question. Still... But just as I'm getting up to walk away, there'll be like one line of unskippable dialogue that will give me the piece of information I need to get to the next part of the yeah. case. I might have been able to get there with more information, but something will happen to make sure I have enough information. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's not a, it's not a point and click in so much that there is... a 
a trip A, B, C, D, and at point B, you need to talk to someone. And if you fail yeah. to get that information, you talk to them again and go through the same dialogue and you pick a different answer. And if that isn't right, you talk to the same person again, through the, go through the same opening dialogue, pick the third answer, and then it's right. If you mess up a conversation in L.A. Noir, that avenue is forever blocked off to mm-hmm. you. You can't go back and start again. Yeah. Um, but there it's like a spider web of potential routes through each case. And the game regularly saves as well, so it's way. not like you can just go back to the menu. I mean, you can, but you'd have to do it in the middle of the questions because yeah. as soon as you finish the questions, it'll save. Yeah, on. you have to restart the whole case if, if you want to try it again. Mm. Um, so I, I think he's been very Something clever. Something that's super that. cool, I think, is when you finish a case, it'll in the final mission, in the final report on that case, there's 24 cases in the game, in the final report, it'll say... If you'd done this thing, maybe you'd have got more information. Or if you'd done, if you'd questioned this guy, uh-huh, you'd have got. Yeah. You, maybe that would have shed more light on it. Or if you'd visited this location, maybe you'd shed more light. So it gives you a reason to like replay it. Yeah. They have tried to make it a bit more replayable. And by the end of the game, I found I was like so good at like covering every single thing in the case that often you will end cases without like in certainly towards the end game you will end cases without a satisfying resolution because that's the way the game's designed yeah like you cannot wrap the case up cleanly um but you sort of always feel like you've done a good job along the way and that's the thing is the game really is there really a game there is there really a challenge there or does the game just make you feel like there is and i said you know it's in a review and hopefully everybody will get to read it in a couple of weeks from now it doesn't matter yeah. If it's doing a good impression of a game of, a de- of you making you of of you being a detective, or if it doesn't matter if you just feel like it or if you really are, because the result is the same. Yeah. You are you sitting at home holding the controller. You feel smart. You feel like you're a detective. You feel like you investigated the case. You feel like you've solved the case. And whether you really solved it or the game was solving it for you, it makes no difference at all. Great game. Well, that's enough of L.A. Noir, I think. Uh, for for the podcast but we'll move on to another game that we've been playing and I've been playing quite a lot Uh, if LA Noir is a game that made you feel smart here is a game that you could play smart that doesn't quite work it's Brink it's got a smart system the parkour smart system did you like that? it didn't quite work Mm. did it? Um, I've been playing Brink an awful lot and uh, awful being the operative (laughs) that's exactly the case I'm really not getting on with it at no, so all. Brinks had loads of really good reviews online, uh, and from some of our, some of, from some of the people we really respect, people we like, uh, websites we love to read. Mm-hmm. I've, I've said this game's really good, and now I'm going to leave this one to Matt because I I'll say I'll, I'll say what I think about the game first, um, but you can basically just ignore what I say about the game. Basically, we get a lot of good reviews, but what we've noticed is a lot of people who've actually bought the game really don't like it and they've picked up on a lot of things that critics haven't yeah now i think that's important because we don't ever write our reviews to kind of reflect what public like popular opinion says but in this case i think popular opinions got it right and the critics have got it mm-hmm. wrong you know, it's often it works the other way the movie thor for instance critics you know, popular opinion on that game is huge and critical opinion on it was pretty good as well mm-hmm. Actually, it's not a very good film at all. It's, it's really not great. Someone just said that on our Facebook. Actually, wondered if anyone's seen it from the office because yeah, he not, wasn't. It's not so good. No, really not so good. And sometimes critics get it right, and the, you know, the audiences get it completely wrong. It happens all the time with movies. Like mm-hmm. people go and see the most rotten DreamWorks animations are the, the yeah. prime point. They get the critics hate them. The public loves them. And then every now and again, that happens with games. Once in a while, the critics go wild over a game and now Brink 
which does a great impression of being a really good mm. game. It's got a lot of maps. It's got a, a unique art style. It's got um, it's it, it, from the minute one. It's got this really great opening. It feels like a classy game. Very good stop animation. Yeah, intro it movie. feels like a class act. Yeah. It feels like money's been spent on the game. You know. But I hate Brink more than any game I've played since I started working on this magazine. Four years ago. Since I started playing games back in 1986. You tried to, um, you tried to give me back Brink and swap it for the jumper disc. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A scratched up jumper disc which doesn't play. <laughs> Just going to use it as a Surely that's better. Well, here's the thing. You can ignore me because... Um, uh, you got out quite early. You, yeah, well, you were yeah. I, I barely played the thing. I just, I just hate it completely irrationally. So ignore me. I have no critical opinion on this game. I just hate the way it looks. I hate the art style so much. So much I can't get past it. I hate the way the characters look. I think they are scientifically wrong. I think mathematically you can prove they look wrong. I think the proportions of them are so just awful. I think it's just they're so ugly looking. I just can't get past it. And you're like, oh, Mike, that's not very good. That's not, that doesn't make you a very good critic, does it? No, it doesn't. That's why I didn't review it. I handed it on to uh, to Matt. He was absolutely the right man for the job. He's been involved with, he's, been, he's played Brink since the early days. He was like the first person on the Mac to even see Brink about two, three years ago. Long time ago, yeah. Long yeah. time ago, real way back. And hey, you know what? There's some good in Brink. There is some good, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But overall, not happy, right? No, not at all. It's funny because for a long time I was the only Brink defender on the mag. I was the one saying this is going to be a good game. It won't get supported online. There won't be the the community there, but I'm confident it will be a great shooter. That's absolutely not the case. In fact, it seems to have a pretty decent online showing at the moment. It was number one in the charts last week. Yeah. Um, of course, online showing on 360 and PC, not on PlayStation no, where PSN is no. down, um, which... Uh, which is funny because um, they it's came the, out... I tell you what, it's the perfect excuse, though. Oh, yeah, oh, what a great my excuse. God. Brink it, didn't sell because it, PlayStation Network was down. If Brink were to fail at this point, a year from now, when they're making Brink 2, and I'm sure they will, um, because, like I say, Brink's a class act, and they spent loads of money on building the franchise. Uh, when they're making Brink 2, they can go, well, you know, of course we released Brink at the worst possible time. Yeah. It was when PlayStation Network was down, and half our audience couldn't enjoy yeah. the game as we intended. Yeah. So Splash Damage came out and said to PS3 owners, don't worry, still buy Brink. You can play it offline, get up to rank 20, and you'll be like one of the best people uh, in one of the best positions to jump online when, uh, when it's back up. That is the worst thing you could do. Um, so I was, in fact, I'm going to start this. I don't know if I can say this, but I will because that's the way I roll. There was a Brink, <laughs> there was a Brink review event oh. and many of the reviews came out of this Brink review event and we turned down the option to go to the review event. Yeah, we, we reviewed uh, off of Retail Code. Yeah, we waited. Which is why we our said, review's so late. We'll, we said we want, as ever with community reviews, when there's a game with such a big online component, we want to wait and test it out against well, the people. The thing, to, to clarify, like there's nothing crooked about review events. It's not like you go along there and they hand you, you know, caviar <laughs> on a solid gold tray. No. You, you kind of get into like usually it's in some like dirty office, and there's a load of TVs around. It's a load of fat, sweaty games journos all sitting together, sweating, all playing the game together. But what that does mean is you've got a room full of people who are all next to one another yeah. playing the game, and that's not really representative of the online experience. It's a forced environment. I mean, if you're in a room with 15 other people all playing the same game, you can chat to each other. You know, just take your headset off and just you know, 
throw some comments around the room, see what other people are doing. It's always That's, fun playing with guys in the same room as well. It's all, yeah. Any game is fun when there's a bunch of you in the same room having a good old time. It also means the actual online experience, i.e. the network and, and everything, is very controlled. Whereas online, it can be a very different beast. I mean, Battlefield, has there ever been a Battlefield game launching without week one problem? Oh, yeah, week one, every every Battlefield game, the servers just die. And you can't get onto a game, you have to click play, disconnect, play, <laughs> disconnect, play, disconnect. Play. So, um, and then eventually you get yourself into a game. So my Brink review experience uh, spanned about Fortnite. Uh, starting before pretty much anyone else had had copies, there were a few of us who had copies who could jump in online with each other. But it was a, there was a lot of offline gaming during that point. And then the second week, when other people could finally get the games and I could enjoy, for want of a better word, uh, against the rest of the world, um, it's a game you would never, ever, ever want to play offline. It's a horrible game the to play offline. The bots are so bad, man. It's. I have never felt anger towards a game like I did playing Brink Offline. I wanted to cry at times. I often wanted to smash something. Um, I found this... I found this. Um, you just get let down this by your, trick. your boss, right? Well, you do, to a point. I found this awful situation where, say there's a 10-minute attack and defend mission which is quite often like all of the all of the um, campaign missions are asymmetrical there's one team attacking one team defending maybe the attackers have to blow something up maybe they have to hack something escort somebody doesn't really matter it's always attack and defend um there's something going on with the bots behind the scenes so that for nine of those 10 minutes sorry nine of those 10 minutes the attackers can't really get any headway it's very easy for defenders to defend uh, their their node or their point of interest, whatever whatever it is they're protecting, and then for the last minute everything seems to change. They push really hard. So right? if you're on the attacking team, you'll have bots who go off the other end of the map and just piss about doing God knows what, and you're like, minutes. what the hell is going on? You can't rally them. There's no way of saying, look, get your arse in gear, come support me. We need to attack these eight guys who are camping around and setting up Gatling guns around this point. <laughs> Don't go off and like check out the textures two you know two yeah. rooms away because I tell you what the textures are probably awful Brink has a lot of problems with loading in its graphics um, so for nine minutes to be fair it is a pretty good last shout for that 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 generation of id technology it's like it's the end the engine holds up pretty good generally speaking for the most part yeah, yeah it definitely has some hiccups but it's it's Usually, I think okay. it's happier streaming off of a hard drive than it's streaming off of a disc. For sure, right? for sure. Um, so for nine minutes, the attackers can't get any headway, and defenders have got it very easy. So if you're on the defending team, you're laughing. You're yeah. Like bring it on. Then everything changes. I've been on the defending team where in the last minute, all of the, your bots just disappear. Not not vanish into a blink of an eye, but just run off, leaving you there thinking, "What the hell?" And then you tend to take out two shots before you die. Whereas it takes the best part of a clip to down a bot. See, the, what they've done is they've built like a kind of false drama into the last and minute. And that's exactly what I was, I was noticing. All these comments coming out, certainly in the preview stage even, like people saying when, they've, when they had hands-on games, wow, it was such a tense game. Like It went right down to the wire with three, three seconds left. We just started our main objective. We had to escort this guy to the extraction point. And then went into overtime, and then we were in overtime, and the clock was kicking, it was ticking upwards. It's basically and giving you we, every game is supposed to be like the coolest multiplayer game you've ever played. Yeah, because every game they've worked is that every game goes down to that wire. Every game is balanced so that they, 
the attackers cannot do what they need to do until right at the end when the defenders are hamstrung by bad bots. Mm. And then suddenly you've got this sort of balanced situation for 30 seconds where the match could go either way. But unfortunately, you've got to put up with nine minutes of crap to get there. Mm. And that was the case with almost every offline game I played. Mm. And that wasn't the only problem. I mean, the challenges are really unbalanced. And certainly on all the three-star challenges, it's next to impossible. On um, Well, sorry, on two of the three-star challenges, it's next to impossible in single player to win. The other two types, so the parkour training challenge, easy. You could do it with your eyes closed pretty much. There's no balance in there whatsoever. Um, the upgrade system, I think we've got a difference of opinion because you quite like the upgrade yeah, system. Yeah, I think the upgrade system's fine. I actually, um, actually, we should say at this point, we actually really like the guys with splash damage. Sorry about uh, like ragging on your game, but it's like when Quake Wars was great. Uh, yeah. Wolfenstein Enemy Territory was great. Uh, Quake Wars didn't really work on a console, but on PC it was fantastic. Like the idea of having... A mission tell a story, I mm-hmm. think, is super cool. Having a multiplayer mission tell a story, I've oh, always, I, I, I've yeah, always liked I, I that. I think that's a great I've idea. I always thought well. that was a good idea, and I've always liked um, the giving like different people different objectives in the game. So, you know, you, you're you're a guy, you're tasked with the job of of if any time you can like call up an extra thing, an extra menu, yeah, and be like, I need something to do. And instead, the game will say, well, I've got something for you to do. Why don't you go and build a turret over here? And that will give you its experience yep. points and it will benefit your team. Because, of course, it doesn't always benefit no. the team. We'll get, to that. We'll get to, that to that in a moment. minute. But, um, like, that's something that... I, I love Battlefield, and I, Battlefield's my game. Everybody knows that. Um, that's something that Battlefield 3 should steal. Yeah. Absolutely, that's what it should steal. And the ability to change your class on the fly, that's maybe not something it should steal, but it works really well for Brink. Mm-hmm. But the little mini objectives, I mean, how cool is that? If you uh, could call up a menu which says, well, if you did demolish this building, that'll give you a better line of sight yeah. to, the, to the objective, then, then we'll give you 50 XP for I doing it. I don't think it. he's been put in brilliantly well. I mean, most of the time it just involves finding a command, um, like a supply command point or a health capture point, uh, taking it from the enemy, and then that gives all of your team like an extra health pip mm-hmm. or an extra pip to use for grenades or turrets or whatnot, depending on your class. Um, what you tend to find is that because there's always some someone doing that um, that challenge for either team, you got this voiceover guy saying, "They're going for our health command post. We're going for the health command post. They're going for the supply command post." Mm. Non-stop, over and over and over. And you're like, "Shut the frack up! Just don't." I don't want to hear it. I've heard it for five minutes straight. There were 15 minutes left in this match. I cannot be done with it for the rest of this game. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that's the case. Um, in terms of the actual actual missions you're given, unfortunately, there's a bit of a problem with some of them. Some of the missions you're given can only aid the enemy. I don't know how this has happened. I don't know how it got through testers. So basically, you'll be building turrets that face into your territory. So there's one, yeah, there's one on a on a map called Resort. I, I'm pretty sure it's called Resort. The last the last um, objective of that map. Uh, once the attackers have, have um, escorted a bot through to the endpoint, they have to hack a uh, a computer terminal to escape. And if you're a defender, you can create two MG turrets to hold them off. Only the second MG turret you create to hold them off is actually pointing towards where you're trying to defend. And it's got a very um, a very slender arc of fire. And the opposition team, i.e. the attackers, all spawn in a corridor right behind you so they can shoot you in the, bank, in the back without you even realising. Yeah. 
madness. And that's it's not it's not an isolated case either. There are instances in other missions where you're building walls to block off shortcuts that you created to get to the point you need to destroy. And like you'll be asked to defend it and Part of the problem is if you're the wrong class at the time, because it will tell you to defend something when in actual fact you need to defend someone who's creating it rather than, you know, def- defend it from being destroyed. Part of it is just there's, there are bugs. And there are a lot of bugs actually in that game. Um, well, the PC and, version's massively bugged as well. And a lot of lag issues as well. But that's all right, they fix the lag issues with a, with a patch that means it halves the player count when you play it from 16 players down to eight. If you want to play a campaign mission with 16 people, you have to go through and select it manually. And there's no there's no way really to stick with friends and play a whole campaign with just the same players either. No, there's no lobby system. Mm. Um, you kind of have to get into a game and then bring your friends in. Invite us. people. It's yeah. I They needed more time, which is preposterous, because that's a game that was delayed and delayed and delayed. Even the announcement of the game was delayed. There was a big event in London, and then at the last minute, the reveal of Brink was put back. Um needed more work and a lot more work in many cases and i think it's a real shame because i was really looking forward to bring i was super hyped for it i still think it does some things very well it's got some very good ideas mm. but what it feels like it feels like they've made this great shooter and then anything that's considered good like any uh, ability that one class may, one you know one class um can perform has then been hacked off and hidden behind an unlock system so rather than making a good game and then adding stuff on top of it. They've made a good game and then cut away at it. Let's uh, mention also the tutorial for a second because there's a 30-minute video non-interactive tutorial. Yeah, well, it, I, I did tell it. It's, it's over 20 minutes. Okay, so I sat through 10 minutes of it and then skipped. Matt reckons it went on for like another... It went over... T- I don't know the exact time, but it went over 20 minutes. I know that. It's sure. a pure video, non-interactive. That is not how we do tutorials no. in the year 2011. No. That is not. I was just like... I like that it has a tutorial. Battlefield Bad Company 2 had none, and loads of people got online with no idea what to mm. do. Shit, I did. Unfortunately, people playing. are still getting online on Brink and having no idea what to do. Oh, would you sit, sit through that entire tutorial? You went off well, and made I a did. Tea, right? No, no, no I, I sat through it, but I, I just drifted off. Funny thing is, it repeats itself over and over again as well. Yeah, it goes. So it has a, a video, and then it goes into a, a, like an extended video, which uses bits from that first video, but just you know extrapolates the information. In a different order and extends it, yeah. <sighs> It's, there's a lot of strange decisions in that game. But like I say, no, none of it matters to me because I couldn't get past the art style. <laughs> I just couldn't get past it. The thing is, there are some decent ideas. Like Some of the things the, the classes can do are really quite cool. And they're going to be great in games that steal them. The things that Brink d- does well will shine. They'll shine about in a, a year different from game. Now, it'll be like this hardcore Brink community. About, you know, about 5,000 players who every night come and play Brink. And they will be so good at it. And the game yeah. will look so good when they play it. Yeah. It'll look great. And it'll be all game. It'll all be, all be patched up by mm. then. It'll be running really mm. nice. And those players will make it look awesome. I think there are some pretty duff maps in it. I don't think, like, for all the noise about the parkour system, I don't think it's that clever. In many cases, it's, it's just it a way to hop a railing. In many ways, it doesn't often doesn't even work. There's certain barriers you just can't jump over. Yeah, even if you're, like, the nimble dude who's supposed to be able to, to leap wherever and wall jump and stuff, it's... I know it's set up for a couple of good points, like a couple of places where you can climb up high and place a turret and have a you know a real good advantage over the opposition. But most of the time, it's pretty useless. Um, yeah, I was really disappointed with Brink. I mean, not just because it 
didn't live up to expectations because in many ways it was it was broken um hopefully the patches the rollout over time over the coming weeks and months will fix some of the issues i think you know, many of it cannot be fixed we hear that uh, to patch a game will co- cost the studio 10 grand because to go through Microsoft Cert and everything. Yeah. That's what we hear, 10 grand. I mean, it might not be right, but we hear, in any case, it's expensive to uh, to patch a game. Like, when you put a game out on a console, you don't want to have to patch it no. over and over again. You want it to be right on day one. You know, there's, I think Brink had a day one patch, mm. or day zero patch, as they call it. Um, it was interesting. The two games we talked about um, today, Brink and L.A. Noir, there was an advert last week uh, from HMV saying, trade in Brink. And you can buy LA Noir for four ninety nine on the day oh, this release. This was a farce, wasn't it? This was, so this was mad. The internet were like brilliant. Ad, yeah, I think MCV reported on it. Yeah. Uh, and then suddenly HMV contacted MVC, sorry MCV. MCV. Yeah, it's uh, industry magazines saying, read by um, people who um, who work in the business, people who run game shops, and people who yeah. who write about games and make games. Said, uh, oh, that's not true. Like that doesn't exist. The offer doesn't exist. The ads a lie. So, so they printed a retract- they posted a retraction online. And then there was another update saying, we just had a lot of readers get in touch saying that they saw this advert. In fact, one of us has given us a screen grab from the website yeah. uh, with the advert. Um, so it's like, well, it clearly was true. And then HMV came out and said, we're not, we're not prepared to do that. No, that's not. It's not happening. So basically, that's that's someone, um, someone at Bethesda getting very angry. It's got to be because, I mean, Brink sold quite well, actually. Brink sold first great, week. Yeah, Brink did good. Surprisingly so. Well... I mean, it has a pretty decent ad. I run. thought it was going to die just because, by nature of it being like um, a multi, basically a multiplayer-only game. Yeah. But I think the they adverts, didn't push did such a good much, job yeah. of selling it. The adverts make yeah. the adverts make the game look great. But the thing is, I think a lot of a hell of a lot of people have got back day one, played it, not enjoyed it, yeah, not enjoyed it not at them. all. You know that most of those people were already looking out for La Noire, mm. and that this week they would have gone and paid their fiver quite happily and got. Team Bondi's game instead, mm-hmm. and Brink would just sit on those pre-owned shelves. And I think, yeah, I think you're right. Bethesda must have surely got in touch with HMV and said, "You can't do this." Yeah, like five minutes after our game's out, <laughs> you you're saying you can this. trade it in. So, I guess especially since a game like Brink, so it depends upon being on shelves for a long time yeah. as a new game, not a pre-owned game. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't know. So, I was going to talk about Charlie Eden, but I'm not going to. I'm going to sort of save that for the next one. But okay. I've been playing Charlie Eden a lot. Um, I don't think it works that well with Connect. I think uh, you'll hear, you'll see a lot of people online gushing about how what a magical experience it is with Connect. Yeah, I guess it is. I guess it is kind of different, certainly, but it's just not fast. It's not responsive. It's not snappy. And to me, it feels like an arcade shooter, not a transcendent experience. Mm. Just going to carry me to the next level. No, of, I you know. I played it both with Connect and and the pad. Um, I enjoyed it on Connect. I enjoyed it for two missions. Yeah. And I was like, right, I'm going to play it properly. Off of the preview code, because although we have review code in the office, which is basically identical, we're not allowed to comment on the, re- the review code until next month, whereas right now we can comment on the preview code. So all of this is based on the preview code, which, as I say, is the same. <laughs> um, and after two... Minus two levels. After two, uh, after two levels, I had to stop because my arm was really aching. Yeah, was you like, know what? It's funny. Like, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm in pretty good shape. I, I cycle. I, I, I work out. I'm, I'm, I don't have skinny little stick arms or anything. But you know what? When you play a Kinect game where you have to hold your arm kind of elevated in front of you for 
extended periods, yeah. 20 minutes at a time, 40 minutes at a time, you do get like a, you, your arm starts going, I'm not you happy with this. get strain under Yeah, under you start feeling it in your shoulder, you know, you start to notice it. It's like, I'm not, anyone at home going, oh man, fat gains to your nose, can't even hold their arm up out straight in a line for 20 minutes. I'll tell you what, right now, you do it. You listen to this podcast, we're probably going to be podcasting for about another 30 minutes. Hold your arm up in the air right now, just out in front of you, just hover straight. It. Just hover it just in front of you with your arms slightly bent at the elbow. And by the end of it, you'll be like, you know what? They're saying this don't feel good. It's don't, I'm not enjoying this experience. Every- and it's not like we're going, oh, I couldn't possibly do any physical exercise whatsoever. Yeah. It's just, it's not a comfortable way to play. Every Christmas, when uh, certainly when I was younger, I used to watch the old World's Strongest Man competition. That always looked like the toughest thing when they had to hold their arms out straight like a crucifix oh, pose yeah, yeah. and hold anchors or something. Yeah. That always looked the hardest thing to do. You do that with some dumbbells, man. That, 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 that's, that's a new definition of like, discomfort. I don't know. New doubt. definition of pain. But like... um. Like Rob, Rob Taylor was like the the real muscle man in the office. He was like the guy who hits the gym regularly. I defy even like a guy like Rob to stand there and do that. I mean, there 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 are people we know. Like I I know a guy who's a bodybuilder who's like enormous. And the fact of the matter is, holding your arm outstretched in front of you is not a natural position to be in for any length of time. It doesn't matter how fit you are. It's just your muscle starts cramping up a little bit. You know, it gets a little bit tired being mm-hmm. in that the same position because. It's not like you're moving, you're swinging your arms like you would be in Dan Central. It's not like you're constant motion. You're basically, you, you're moving your hand in tiny little movements out in front of you. It Just by nature of the beast, that's going to be, over time, kind of, that's going to wear you down a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the connect side of things I found I, I'd want to play it maybe a couple of times a week you should just, definitely it's, it's, try it with connect it does feel different it does feel unique yeah, for sure yeah but for the most part I would be quite happy sitting down with the pad and playing it properly for the scores and with a pad it's absolutely res 2 if you've been if you spent the last 10 years of your life playing res and loving res this is res 2 no bullshit this is res 2 this is everything you would want from this a sequel to res high res oh. <laughs> and you could say it's a Resurrection. <laughs> it's a beautiful game. Yeah. Oh, it does things I've never seen a game do before. It's got a very nice lady in it. So oh, it's got she's a, great looking. Yeah, she's a Miss Japanese, uh, a Japanese American model um, who is like the voice of the Genki Rockets, which is Tetsuya Mizuguchi's mm-hmm. band. Um, she's not the voice, she's the face. The voice is, comes from a, a couple of different uh, Japanese singers, but she's the face of, the, of Lumi, the, the lead singer. Yeah. Oh man, she's good looking. She's basically she's gonna twang the white knight reflex of every every nerd in the world. She's um she's basically she's on on screen often like looking at you pleadingly and vulnerable. Yeah. And you're like, I gotta save me that girl. I gotta save that girl. She needs my help, man. <laughs> I gotta save that girl. And like um and like that's exactly that's exactly what she's designed yeah. to do. She's she's hand picked by Tetsuya Mizuguchi himself to look. Like the, the uh, sweet, her, her in, job in, is sweet, to be beautiful. Thing, yeah. Her job is to be beautiful. She's a model, of course. To, to walk around in a dress and look, yeah, look desperate. Yeah, look desperate and vulnerable and uh, afraid. And you're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna save you, Lumi. <laughs> I'm gonna get in there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I don't know. How I'm gonna do it, but I'm gonna say somehow, some way. There should be. I'm a, gonna save you. There should be a twist at the end where she was actually afraid of you all along. She was pleading at you not to do anything. Yeah, please don't look at me the way you're looking at me. <laughs> and the, the I end, don't like, like that. Through your actions, you kill her. Because if, it, if you like met this girl message. in real life, that's what that's what it would be like. Yeah. If you met her in real life, you'd be like, you're like, hey, how are you doing? She'd be like, don't look at me that way. I know what you're thinking, and don't look at me that way. You disgust me. <laughs> What do you do for a living? You're a games writer. What even is that? What is that? You're, just, you're disgusting. And um, 
basically they use, they mix live action of her in with these cascading polygons all the way through the game. Yeah. So often like you'll have video playing against a swirl of like of polygons, flat polygons. It just looks amazing. It this does. game does stuff I've never seen the Xbox do before. This is a good way to not talk about Child of Eden. You, yeah. We did a start by saying we well, we, about we'll what? talk about like actual big time impressions on how much we enjoy the game in a, in a couple of podcasts probably if we're not too preoccupied with E3 stuff. But I can wholeheartedly, you know, based off of the preview code, not yep. based off of the review code, I can wholeheartedly recommend Child of Eden to anyone who digs arcade shooters. It is a tough sell. I mean, it really is a tough sell to anyone who's like looking to get this game, which is 20-hour long story-driven experience, because the game ain't that. This is an arcade shooter. <laughs> and, you know, one, one thing I didn't mention in my review, I have reviewed it at this point, one thing I didn't mention in my review, which I think is important, but I just didn't have the words for it, uh, I didn't have enough space to write it, is that it's... I can't what I was going to say. Oh, what a shit. <laughs> oh, I'll jump in seamlessly and say one thing you mentioned in The Office was that you can see yourself playing Child of Eden oh, in a it. decade's time. Yeah, well, I'll talk about that as well. But um, it's, it's, it re- the game constantly rewards you for playing it over and over. It's an arcade shooter, so you want to play it over mm-hmm. and over, right? And it gives you these rewards, basically like the options screen, the level select screen, which is a work of art in itself, levels up as you play. So when you play like the first level, mm-hmm. you can unlock certain things you've shot down in that level, which will then appear on the option screen, okay. and they'll be drifting around and, and floating around and doing stuff on the option screen. And there's probably about 10, 12, 13 or whatever things you can collect on each stage. And there's five stages and a sixth, which we, again, can't talk about because we haven't played that because that's we're the, just that's playing the preview, preview code. code. Yeah, yeah. We're just playing preview code. Um, and I don't think any of those things are cool enough to make someone who wouldn't otherwise replay it play that level again. But they're all cool enough that someone who's going to play that game anyway over and over again will feel like they're getting extra value, extra okay. rewards, extra cool stuff. So if you're the kind of guy who score attacks a game like that, it's, it's, like, it's a better game than res for score attacking because now not only can you do the old res thing of milking bosses, making them just pump out more and more bad guys, killing more things and really milking them, but also now if you release a shot on the beat, you get a multiplier. So if you were to... Perf- and then if you do two shots in a row on the beat, it increases the multiplier. So in theory, there's option, option, the chance to chain an entire stage all with perfect multipliers I, I wanted and get to, an enormous I wanted score. to ask you that, actually, Mike, because, I mean, you've played it a lot more than me. Indeed, you've played Res a lot more than me as well. But when I played Child of Eden Preview Code, preview code um, I didn't feel like it was as, you know, it blended with the music quite as well with Res. But I was, I was kind of putting that down partly because I've had years on Res and I know each song inside and out. Yeah, so it I, feels more natural, all the beats I, I, kind of go I in. agree. Yeah, there's a certain point. It's also just because I don't think the music is as good as Res. No. It's all from the Genki Rockets and it's, it's kind of a little bit sugary sweet for my tastes. There were some levels in Res which were just like really heavy. Yeah. Real nice, heavy, like bassy bits yeah. and there's not so many of those I even felt like there are just a few like bass heavy bits in um, Child of Eden but what I would do is like there won't be like a level an entire stage because in Res one stage would be one track yes well in um, which builds itself up and then by the end of the stage you're, you're listening to the whole yeah. track whereas in Child of Eden it was like it'll blend from one track into another mid stage mm. 
You're not interacting with the music in the same way. Definitely. No, it just felt like even the shots didn't have quite the same impact on the yeah. music. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's that's a fair that's a fair okay. like complaint. And um, uh, I think, yeah, the music is isn't going to be to everyone's taste, but then wasn't to everyone's taste in Res either. Um, I think the music could be a little bit better, but they do have some excellent musical cues which come in at just the right point and like when i finished the final stage i was just like you just like you're like, oh, you just like you just want to lie back and you just have a, have a cigarette and a cuddle you know it's like the, the final stage is just a visual and oral spect it's just spectacle which you you like the likes of which you will never see on the mm. xbox again and you'll be and you and you said in the office that you'll quite happily play this in 10 years time yeah, where you wouldn't play most other games thing right it's like you can like for if, if you're into arcade shooters and i'm gonna say it like if you're not you're probably not gonna get a lot of value out of this game um if, if you're like the guy who digs arcade shooters 10 years from now you'll still be playing child of eden you won't be playing la noir 12 in 10 years from now yeah. 10 years from now the detective game that rockstar make will make L.A. Noir look like a man, like a caveman banging a bone on a rock. Like, L.A. Noir is an amazing piece of technology right now, but 10 years from now, it'll look like a joke. But, Res has been tested by time. 10 years ago, Res looked great. 10 years later, in 2011, Res still looks great. Mm. Make no mistake, Child of Eden will still look good, and it will still play really good, because it's just something so simple and so much fun. There's nothing to spoil there. Mm. Time can't spoil a game like that. It's going to last forever. One game that I, I put to the test, uh, you know, playing it 10, day, 10 years later, was Halo last week. I yeah. went back and played it, was playing Championship. Um, no, Championship, what am I talking about? Combat Championship Evolve. Edition. Championship. Halo, Halo 1 Championship Edition. Whenever, whenever I see CE, Turbo. thanks to Pac-Man, yeah. whenever I see CE now, I always think Championship oh, Edition. Oh, bullshit, thanks to Pac-Man. It's Street Fighter 2. Nah, Pac-Man for me. <laughs> Pac-Man. Um, so yeah, Combat Evolved. I was playing it in the office last week. I tried to play it last night as well, but our, our 360's bust. I can't do it anymore. Um, I was having a blast. Yes, it looks really old. It looks slightly better than Perfect Dark. I remember it being a lot prettier. Yeah. Um, it looks better, slightly better than Perfect Dark, but with way wider and bigger levels, yeah. obviously. Like Perfect uh, Dark. But you know what? That's the funny thing. It doesn't actually look that much better than the N64 No, game. it really doesn't. If people forget, Perfect Dark only came out a year before yeah, Halo. 2000. Yeah. Um, and that opening mission in Pillar of Autumn ain't a good mission. Oh, it's Ron. <laughs> it's the worst, lamest maze ever. I remember when I first got Halo back at uni, I think it was about 2004 that I first played the first Halo. And I uh, I played that first level. I was like, what's all the fuss about? I don't doom. get it. That first level is just doom. It's, it's not good. Although I do like... I love the grunts. I, I've always loved the grunts. I hate the grunts. And uh, it was great just going punching them in the face in Pillar of Autumn. I, 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 I maintain to this day, Bungie, you're so bad at designing aliens. Whether it's, whether it's just been hamstrung by the original Halo kind of like, I thought art. grunts and elites were fine, but it was beyond that. When the brutes started coming in and stuff, then the I Big was monkeys, like, and then they got those jackal things, and it was weird because you look like oh, weird jackals in the, That's yeah, weird. Yeah. Jackals were in the first one, but they're quite fat and stocky. Yeah. They look quite different. Um... But yeah, then I got down. And there was those new things they introduced for Reach, things which run around all over the place with the, the spiky hair. They're, they they work a little bit like jackals, but they're not. Don't try and think of what they are because nobody gives a damn. Like, <laughs> I was just trying to think. They're rubbish. They look like bird things. Bungie just like really bad at designing aliens. But then you know what? Most people are bad at designing aliens. So you got HR Geiger on the case. You're sort of struggling. Um, got down on Halo. Brilliant. I suddenly remembered everything I loved about that game. Yeah, what a great game. Great game. Ten years of Halo. This year. Yeah, 10, 10 years old, and that game is still good. You know what? The frame rate sucks. Yeah, it's The not frame great. rate sucks, and the graphics suck. 
every now and again. Like sometimes you'll see a bit, a bit of the level, you're like, wow, that's a really impressive vista, but in the details, it sucks. Which kind of leads us interestingly into E3. Yeah. Because there's been some speculation that this year Microsoft are going to roll out a Halo remake. Um, I think we can say it's not speculation. I, I, and that's not from anything Microsoft's told us. No. It's not even anything from, like, you know, anything we... We, I'm going to be kind of be careful with what I say because we've reported on this before. We, we everything we've reported Many in the magazine times. is, um, I think basically we reported in the in the mag a couple of months ago that, um, like, you know, this year it's going to be Gears versus Halo, yeah. and Microsoft are going to release those two games in the same year. Mm-hmm. And online, a lot of people gave our mag some stick, saying these guys don't know shit. But as our podcast listeners know, we've said in the past, if we say something might be happening you need to listen to those words carefully because sometimes we know about stuff we can't actually talk about just for fear of getting like sources in the shit getting people we know in 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 trouble and in this case i'm just going to go back to what we said a few months ago back to the back to all the rumors which came out and eurogamer reported on these rumors they have the sources of their own Mm -hmm. uh cbg reported on these rumors Every website was reporting on these rumours. Game Informer was reporting on these rumours. Kotaku was reporting on the rumours. Joystick was reporting on the rumours. That supposedly Saber Interactive were working on a Halo remake. It's like, yep. you know, this, this, didn't, this didn't start with us. And we reported on it and everyone was going, these guys don't know anything. This is going to happen. Yeah. This is going to happen. Halo, the, the Halo Combat Evolved remake is going to happen. And... When it pops up at E3, don't be too surprised by it. It's going to happen. And this it will fix those problems that we have with mm. Halo. Little things. It's not in widescreen. Well, you remake it, it can be. The details. It's not a beautiful game in the details. Well, new engine, it will be. And, you know, little things about the frame rate. Well, you know what? There's no mm. reason the frame rate won't just yeah. lick along in a nice remake. It's the perfect time to release it. Why anybody would be surprised, I don't know. This has been... Spunked all over the internet, yeah. and at this point, we can we can confirm this is. I, I think this is this is, hundred percent certain. This year is a great year for remakes. I mean, Halo. Yeah, we've got Resi Four coming to three sixty. Yeah, Shadow of the Colossus. That was my next one. Shadow of the Colossus is being remade for PS three. Yeah. What a great year! What a great year! And a lot of people, are, I think, I think speculation is rife that uh, Konami are going to at some point do the Metal, Metal Gear remakes. Bundle. I mean that's oh. the killer bundle. The metal, um, the all three all three Metal Gear games bundled together. Maybe if we're lucky with a slight tweak of the controls, because mm-hmm. let's face it, the controls in MGS three were mad. <laughs> like yes, a little tweak of the controls. Wow, that'd be a, that'd be a big deal. And Konami uh, announced today they're going to have a press conference before E three. This is the first ever. Unprecedented for yep. them. They normally have a conference on the Wednesday, which is the second day of E three. Yep. Uh, that's where normally where they show off their stuff. That's where they run their 10-minute Metal Gear trailers, you know? But for this time here, for the first time ever, they're going to steal some headlines, get in early, June 2nd. Uh, it'll actually be June 3rd for us in the UK because it'll be going up midnight. What day is that? Is that the... So you'll get up... It's, it's, that, it's a crazy thing. Is so that it's Friday or Saturday? I think I'm going to be in the air. No, it's Thursday. Sa- it's Thursday. Oh, that's it, even before I fly out. Yeah, Saturday. so it'll be at, at the crack of dawn, basically. Well, not even crack of dawn. It'll be at uh, zero hours on the uh, Friday for us, but it's, it's on Thursday um, it's Thursday lunchtime in LA. Yeah. And, and it will be webcast online, so you'll be, you will be able to watch it at home. We'll stay out. And that'll be the case for all of them, uh, all of the uh, conferences. Sometime on Facebook, we will post all of the times of all of the conferences. 
and we'll do our best to advise you where to find them, where it's best to watch to stream them. Uh, some of them you're not going to want to watch because it's going to be like at one in the morning. Unfortunately, because of the job I do, I will be up at one in the morning watching the Sony conference, uh, which will probably run on for two hours. The Sony conferences tend to go on quite a long time. So I'll be rolling into, on, rolling into work on that Tuesday, knackered out of my mind. Uh, but on the Monday the 6th, you'll be able to come home from work as long as you get home pretty quick, because it's at 5 o'clock, you need to come home from work, watch the Microsoft conference. A few hours later, kick back with a nice beer, nice cup of tea, so, watch yourself the EA and Ubisoft conferences. So I'm going to be at the Microsoft conference. I'm wondering whether or not I need to whoop and holler at a, at a certain point, maybe a quiet point, so that our readers know that we're there. Be the only boo, guy in the auditorium. Boo, boo at some point. <laughs> How about that? Do you think? Yeah, when they, when, they, when they roll onto stage with like Your Shape Fitness Evolved 2, you can be like... Boom. Part of me wants to throw out a competition, like get our readers to to suggest something very short, very or, simple. I could shout out, or just streak, I, <laughs> just run on the I stage, doing that. just streak the stage. Because Don Matrick's going to get on stage with his patented personality vacuum, <laughs> suck all of the air out of the room. Don Matrick is the worst person to roll out on stage. Like Peter Moore will get up on stage, Mister Charisma, and like give some enthusiasm. Yeah, get, I've, really, I've been at a show really where uh, it up. I think it was at Gamescom yeah, as well. I think I was at Gamescom where Peter Moore was playing um, EA Sports Active yeah. in front of everyone. It's like good on you, Pete. Yeah. Jay Allard is the same. We'll get up on stage, yep. get the audience pumped up. Hey, I'm Jay Allard. You might know me from when I was fat and when kind of I think rubbish looking. Now I'm fit and I'm hip and I skateboard and stuff. <laughs> he gets up on stage. He gets the audience going. He's a great front man. Yeah. Don Matrick is not a great front man. He's no. a great businessman. And I think Microsoft knows, which is why they shuffle him off stage as quickly yeah. as possible. Even like Reggie is, is feeding off that Reggie success, feels, that yeah. first showing where he Nintendo's, came out. Nintendo's Reggie feels me. He's amazing. No one knew who this guy was. He's like... Hi, I'm Reggie. I'm about kicking ass. I'm about taking names, and we're about making games. Yeah. What a way to endear yourself was, with um, fans. He was just, you know, he's a he's a charismatic guy. He's got yeah. a good presence, and that's something Don doesn't have. Even so, Kaz Harai, I've got a soft spot for Kaz. Yeah, Kaz has got um, Kaz has got some charisma about him. Um, uh, oh God, I forgot his name. The, the the former boss of Sony went to Atari. No, no, that's Phil Harrison. Who, who do you mean? Oh. The original, the original oh, Japanese oh, boss. I know who you mean. Sorry. The guy that yeah, gave him a job yeah. looking out the window. <laughs> yeah. Everyone everyone on the podcast is going, it's this guy's got, just, just got a mental block. I just, I just lost his name. Um, but he was rubbish. He was rubbish. He was the guy who could guarantee coming out on stage saying something stupid. Like, we expect people to work harder to pay for a PlayStation 3. <laughs> like, that's, that's poison. <laughs> that is just po- you, know, you just don't say something like that. Um, like, you know... I think Sony's uh, guy they got these days, Jack Tratton, he's excellent. Yeah, yeah I think Because he's, he's likeable. He's, he's got that daddish thing going on. So, but I mean, Microsoft know that like, you know, Don's not the best guy to represent the game. He's got no. that. Don's got that really fake, weak smile thing going on. <laughs> and he's not got a big stage presence. So they basically get him off stage as soon as possible and mm-hmm. get other people out. Guys like Dan Greenewalt from Turn 10, yeah. who will be a big presence on the stage this year because they will be showing off Forza 4. They might even be mentioning Forza World. Which is the game Eurogamer reported on it this week? But it's the game we we heard rumours about this in the past, but um, kind of didn't run didn't run with. But it's, it's supposedly there's a Forza game in development here in mm-hmm. the UK. Uh, why they don't bang it out under the Project Gotham name, I don't know. Supposedly it's an open world driving game, and for you know, the PGR name is perfect for yeah. an open world driving game, uh, especially since it's being developed in the UK. And presumably they're going to be recruiting some guys from Bizarre. Got it's it. a guy um, who used to, the guy running the studio is a guy who used to work for Codemasters on Dirt and Grid and so on. Uh, 
And, you know, there's a bunch of guys from Bizarre who are out of work right now who I'm sure know a lot about driving games. Yeah, I mean, I think those guys from Bizarre were in hot demand. The Cody's were trying to get some for sure. Of course, the other studio that's facing problems right now is Black Rock. Down in Brighton, Black Rock yeah. are, are having to ship, it seems like, half their half their staff. Well, because they were, a two, they were a two-team uh, studio with only one project now. Mm. Well, get, if they get their asses up to Birmingham, move away from the seaside, if they're prepared to move to the concrete jungle, then they can... Um, <laughs> Be a part of the world. Because there is a studio that is... Well, we don't know. But there's a studio in uh, near Birmingham It's making an unannounced AAA game for a major publisher, and they are recruiting like crazy right now. So, you know, it's, it's, looking, it's looking good for sure. Uh, Dan Greenock's going to be a big presence on the stage showing off Forza 4. Forza 4 is going to look yeah. great. It's going to be a big course, game this year. Gears 3 will be there again. Yeah, Cliff, Cliff will be up there. Cliff. Hey, and you know what? Maybe Cliff will announce Shadow Complex 2. That would be great. That would be pure speculation on my part. We've heard absolutely nothing about this one. We're both, we're both big fans of Shadow Complex. We yeah. just really want to see another one. Yeah, Shadow Complex would be... I mean, it's, it's the right time for it, for mm-hmm. sure. This is the year Microsoft needs to get up on stage with Hardcore. We've said it before. I think they're going to get up on stage with a lot of... Um, a lot of uh, gamers' games for Connect. Yeah. I think they'll do that. Uh, they'll roll it with Steel Battalion. They'll roll it with... Uh, Haunted, uh, Rise of Nightmares. Rise and of all, Nightmares. All Haunted, which is more of a kid's game anyway, mm. but... Um, what else do we... What else do we see? Project expect? Draco will be there. Like the Draco whole, will be there, definitely. Everything that was announced early doors for Connect. Draco's going to be the game which really tests Child of Eden. Yeah. That game's going to be hot. It's made by a guy who made Panzer Dragoon, for God's sake. That's going to be hot. Like you, you can't you can't fault that that, that series for being uh, you no. know, just leading the genre. Res is just Panzer Dragoon in, in cyberspace, you know. Yeah, cyberspace is a word from the nineties. <laughs> um, they've also got to come out with one major announcement. They've got to Gears is Gears was already supposed to be out by now. Yeah. So Ge- I, I mean, mean we Gears know was about put back. I mean, there's, like say, there's stuff that's rumored like the Halo thing. Yeah. There's stuff that's rumoured like... But I don't uh, think a Halo remake is big enough. Forza, well, there's, there's rumours like Forza World as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, these things aren't big enough. What you need to do, you need to end the show with the game which says the console ain't done yet. We're not finished yet, not by a long shot. And the only game which just says that is, for, is Halo 4. 4. It's got to be. We don't, again, again, this is something we don't know about. We, but to be honest, if they roll into um, if they roll into E3 this year without a Halo 4 trailer... Mm. That would be a big surprise because what we've been talking about so far is like a lot of games that are going to be big in 2011 and the start of 2012. And of course, there'll be the usual things. Like, I guarantee you, either Sony or Microsoft will, will let Ubisoft show off uh, Ghost Recon or something on yeah. stage. They'll let Bethesda come along and show off Skyrim on stage. And then they'll have some exclusive DLC mm-hmm. or an exclusive beta. Remember, Ghost Recon's still supposed to have an exclusive beta on xbox live which you can access if you own Cell conviction yeah so how many people haven't traded in their copy of conviction at this just point? waiting for that you know it's um because the game was supposed to be out long yeah. a long time ago it's supposed to be the summer of the year that conviction came out which was last year so um yeah that's still supposed to happen so you can fully expect them to possibly show ghost Recon, maybe even like an alan wake connect game yeah, an Alan, a Connect Alan Wake game Remedy is have, Yeah, well, Remedy has confirmed that there's an Alan Wake game in the works, but we it won't Kingdom be Alan Wake 2. going to be there this year. Yeah. King, that's that's like a, one of the big open secrets is that Kingdom's going to be there, much like the Halo remake, one of the big open secrets of the industry. Mm. King, code, codename Kingdoms, uh, probably going to drop the word codename from the beginning, they're just going to call it Kingdoms, but it's been being made at um, Crytek Budapest, which is the Warhead studio. Warhead was pretty good. Uh, Microsoft have apparently requested 
that it'd be moved to the uh, Crisis 2 team in Frankfurt because mm-hmm. I guess, you know, they just want it to be made quicker. Yeah. Uh, that'll be there in some form, probably showing off the work that Budapest have been doing. And all these games are hot, and these are going to be some big exclusives for 360, but nothing says Xbox like Halo. No. And 343 have been working on who knows what for close, close to three years now. Come on, my, they've been working on Waypoint, you know that. Yeah, I mean, what, Waypoint and an anime, <laughs> you know, an animated movie. It's not good enough, and they know it. This is the year to debut Halo. Yeah. This is the year to debut Halo for. the 10th anniversary. Um, I was being deliberately quiet throughout most of that because I don't want to accidentally say something I've got in my bookings. Yeah, because Matt, to. of course, has actually booked him for stuff and uh, stuff he knows about. Which I'll, we... I'll say probably like 80% of it you know about and it is it, out there. It's, it's, it's a year of, when, when I'm talking to people, a surprising number are saying we're not announcing anything. Because yeah. bear in mind, I mean, Hitman's just been revealed. Need for Speed has just been revealed. Quite a lot of games have been revealed pre-3. Soul Calibur 5. Pre- Soul Calibur, again, Namco Bandai revealed that last week. This is week. the year where the games at E3 are so big, if you want any headlines at all, you've got to announce before E3. Yeah, because you'll you, get you swallowed wanna, up. Do you want to announce Need for Speed The Run the same week that Hideo Kojima comes out and announces, I don't know, Metal Gear, this is again, pure speculation, and it comes out and announces Metal Gear Solid 5, mm. and Microsoft announced Halo 4, and Sony announced God of War 4. Like, you, no, you don't no. want, you like, you don't want to come out and announce Soul Calibur 5 that week. You don't want to announce, you don't even, you don't even want to announce a Hitman that week. No. You want to let people know that it exists beforehand and then show the game at E3, which is what everyone's doing. Yeah. You prepare people, you prep the ground, you say, look, this is worth looking at. It's this, this will be worth your attention come E3, and that's what's happened. So as a result, most of the stuff you've got in your schedule book is stuff you know about. Yeah, but just haven't seen yet, haven't yeah. been eyes on or hands on. Got some interview time as well with some very important people. So it's going to be exciting. We're going to come back with a lot of stuff for our July issue and then following on for our August issue and beyond. Because I tell you what, you can't come back from E3 and blow everything you've got in one issue. You, you get so you, much out so of much stuff, events, yeah. get to speak to so many people that uh, there'll be some interesting features in the months ahead. Yeah. Interesting things all around for the mag in the months ahead. We can't say too much, but um, keep it, keep your eyes peeled. We're, yeah. we're going to be doing something very special. We can say, like, you know, everyone knows that, you know, magazines need a refresh every now and again, and we have one coming up. We're going to, the magazine's going to be changing its mm. look. Uh it's a big one. It's a. It's gonna. It's a. It's, this is. Uh, this is Xbox World striking back. It's yeah. gonna. It's gonna be a big one. On we, we all want, fronts, I'll say. Very cryptic, but I'll say on all fronts. Yeah, we want. Uh, we, we want you guys to be excited about this because the big and most important thing to us are the guys who pick up the magazine every month, mm. the guys who listen to the podcast all the time, the guys who subscribe to Twitter, the guys who hit our Facebook pages. Make no mistake, we don't want to scare you guys off, and we aren't gonna. It's gonna be the same old team you come to know and love, the same quality content you know and love, but. We're going to be doing some real bold stuff, stuff which really kind of, you know, is stretches the boundaries of what mm. you come to expect from a games magazine. It's a big one. It's a big one for sure. And it's going to be exciting. Very exciting. Should we turn to those guys right now and have some questions? Yes. Yeah, so what do they have to say to themselves? Uh, first of all, thank you uh, for everyone who posted on our Facebook uh, in the 20 minutes before we came down. Tim put a question out saying... We need some question, guys. And we've boy, did you quiet deliver. This week. Sorry, guys. We've been quite on Twitter. We've been quite on Facebook. It's, it's been a horrible deadline. It's with, been one of the roughest deadlines we've ever had. With a very interesting cover story tale that you'll you'll get to see in the issue. Soon. Yeah, and yeah. we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks as well. But it makes for a great story. Let's tell you that. Um, Gavin Mason uh, starts off by saying, "If I only buy one game in November, which one? Battlefield Three or Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3? I mean, we've got, 
how have we gone through this whole podcast for not even mentioning the Modern Warfare 3 debacle? Yeah. Well, you know what? Activision turned it around. It was a debacle. Last Friday, the, the entire plot for Modern Warfare 3 ended up on the internet. And um, yeah, Activision came out and said, you know, not all of it's correct, but I guarantee you 95% yeah. of it is. Probably a name. And, uh, you know, art was leaked onto the internet. Basically, someone... Here's what kind of isn't being reported. It was kind of... They, they were getting ready to reveal that game. And someone, somewhere, consciously decided to, to spoil the announcement, mm -hmm. to get stuff on the internet before Activision were able to announce it. So a couple of weeks before they were ready to show off the game, all of this stuff gets spunked over the internet. Some of it looks good, some of it looks bad. But in any case, it's not the picture you want painted of the game. But you know what? Activision did a good job. They went ahead and said, well, you know what? If, if the information's already out there, let's just release the trailers we were going to yeah, release a week from now. Let's do them today. And they got three trailers online that night, teasing some of the things that people have been reading about that day. Yeah. Yeah, they did a good job. They did a pretty good job. Um, I bet behind the scenes it is panic station. It was, probably was. But again, it's like you panic for a while and then you take control of yeah. it. And they just, what they decided was to own it. And just uh, if, you, if, it's, if the information is already out there, let's just own it. Let's own what's out there and make the most. Everyone's talking. Everyone's talking about it. It's a big story. Hmm. So let's make it our big story instead of their big story. So Battlefield 3 or Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 then, Mike? I mean, obviously, it's so early doors. We haven't even properly seen Modern Warfare no. 3. No. Um, do you reckon it's as it was the case before, single player versus multiplayer? Depends what you want out of it. Yeah, I think so. I think Call of Duty will always win the single-player game. <laughs> yeah. I really do. And the guys at DICE, yeah, multiplayer. Hey, the stuff they've shown at DICE of the single-player looks really great, but it still looks to me like uh, 11 minutes of guys running. Here's what I would say. Crawling. Here's the one thing I, I would add. Modern War Call of Duty always has an on-year and an off-year. Infinity Ward is the studio you want making your Call of Duty. Yeah. Infinity Ward isn't the studio that's made Modern Warfare 3. Not really. The name on the door doesn't make any bit of difference when the people inside that studio are mostly different. And Infinity Ward lost half their staff uh, early 2010. And well, the people who what, what sort of people did they lose? Because you you were looking you were looking into CIA, I was right? researching this, and they lost almost all of their key staff as well. So if if so, it's a hundred. Uh, I think there were 101 people in in uh, Infinity Ward. 48 of them departed. Of those so, remaining, 10 of them. 10 out of 53, if my math is correct, are QA testers. Yeah. QA testers don't make games. Like, yeah, don't get me wrong. QA testers do great so, jobs. Some of my best, but they best, don't best, make Literally, games. some of my best friends are QA testers. And they'll, they will often tell you the same thing. They are, the QA guys are 10 a penny. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, the QA is the entry point to the industry. So it's like if Respawn need QA guys, they can, re re they can mm. recruit somewhere else. They lost, so Infinity Ward lost the majority of their design team, their lead design team. They lost their lead artists. They lost their lead animators. They lost a lot of key engineers. Like, I was going through and it was like, who's left over? Some guys from the sound department, a receptionist. Yeah. Um, there, there are still like the odd art lead and um, yeah, there are a few leads left over yeah. a few a few did decide to stay behind and stick but with COD for the most part they departed it's, um, it's so key, what you're saying basically to, uh, like, it's, it's key staff it's not like they lost 
you know, the catering team. No. They lost key, yeah. key staff. Decision-making people. And it's like, I guess it's right, right now, it's not like they need QA guys right now. It's not like they need a community manager no. right now. The guys like Rob Bowling, one of the most visible faces yeah. of, of Infinity War, they don't need that because they haven't got a game to represent yet. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, Respawn will need a community guy in, in another year or so. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's pure speculation, but I, I, I could see it happening. Um, so not only did Infinity Ward lose all these people who were then, and, and those vacancies were then filled in by other Activision well, staff. They, to they say started recruiting, Raven obviously. I mean, they really began recruiting immediately, but for the most part, it was patching the holes yeah. rather than filling the holes. But Activision has come out since and said Modern Warfare 3 is co-developed by Infinity Ward, Raven and Sledgehammer. Yeah. So I think... I'm concerned. I still have well, faith you, that it got, will be great. Bear in mind, like a lot of the game was in the can by the time <coughs> they lost or losing people. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the way games are made, they probably had something resembling a playable build yeah. like you know, a year into the project. They if, if finished COD 4, and about a year later, they've got something which resembles a game. Well, they have a plot from start to finish because that's what was leaked well, yeah, online. I mean, it just raised questions about who leaked it. Was it someone who works at Infinity Ward? Was it like someone they outsourced a load of art to and a load of video to and... And sound design, or was it someone... Because, I mean, bear in mind, to fill the holes, they probably had to outsource mm. a lot of stuff. Was it someone who used to work at Infinity Ward who left and wanted to give him the old shaft on the way? Who knows? Maybe that story will come out, maybe it'll never come out. I hope it never does. I personally hope it never does, because yeah. that person no, is... No, no one wants to see anyone lose a job no. or anything over it or get sued. Um, what we've got is... Maybe like you know, the game was all in place and it just needed these guys to fill in the gaps. So what you've got is you've got... Half a great studio filling in the gaps, a completely unproven studio filling in the gaps in Sledgehammer, and a studio in Raven who... And you know what? Raven have off moments and on moments, and they, they've they never been at the level of an Infinity War. No. They have made some good stuff, and they've made some truly rotten stuff. So... So I, I'm, I, I certainly have concerns this time around. If I had to choose one or two right now, I'd plump for Battlefield. That's it's got right. a stable team. Frostbite 2 looks amazing. Yeah, stable um, team. The technology behind it is kicking ass. I mean, one thing, one, no two ways about it. Modern Warfare is made on an ancient version of the Quake engine mm -hmm. and they have been patching that up and they've worked miracles with that engine because yeah. that engine looks fantastic, but it don't look as good as Frostbite 2. Uh, Sam Mags says, uh, I've been noticing quite a decline in the whole music game scene, uh, games like Guitar Hero and Rock Band. Do we think there's a market for these type of games in the future? Not for a while, I wouldn't say. I don't there's know, it's only always room hard for to one player in the market, I think. Yeah, I mean, Ubisoft is going to release Rocksmith, like the guitar tutorial. I think that might get murdered. I think that might just get swallowed by Rock Band, just crushed. It'll be interesting to see if Harmonix comes out at 83. I think we'll know if they come out and show us Rock Band 4 or something, maybe there is a future. Otherwise, I think for, for the next three years, I don't think you're well, going to really see anything. Rock Band 3 is good enough, right? I think so. Yeah. They'll have to do something pretty special with 4. Uh, even Connect Support, I don't... Uh, sorry, Connect Support. I don't know if that would be enough to convince me there's worth in, a, in another entry. Not yet, anyway. You know what the music market reminds me of? It reminds me of wrestling games. In, okay. Only in that, if you were, if you're not THQ releasing the one top licensed yeah. wrestling game, there's no point in releasing a wrestling no. game. Yeah, you can come along when you're rolling with a TNA license or whatever, Impact Wrestling as they are now, but you're going to get murdered. You're yeah. just, just going to die. It's not a big enough license. Maybe you release an unbranded wrestling game. It's a really great wrestling game with a really great engine. Doesn't matter. No, because THQ got that. 
that top license. It, and that's what EA have got in Rock Band. It's um, it's such a shame because I, I mean I'm a big fan of the genre, um, and there was such an unexpected boom when Guitar Hero came out that everyone tried to latch onto it at once, and everyone just saturated the market. Yeah, Activision and, ran it into the ground, and you know people weren't prepared to pay like spunk out seventy quid a year on another plastic because like, even just the disc alone like 50 quid on a few new songs with no real changes so um yeah i think it, i think it's gone for a while i think he'll be back i think these things will be cyclical now that it's had a success i think in 10 years time if if we're not seeing like rock band four or five you know is constantly released i think it'll come back in a way because dj hero was a great game and people will be looking back next generation saying DJ Hero was one great underappreciated game mm-hmm. that should have sold so much more than it actually did. Mm-hmm. I still think DJ Hero is, for my money, one of my favourite games on 360. I'd be surprised if we don't see Dance Central 2 at E3 <clears> and I think dancing games are going to be big. Yeah, I think I think dancing games, because they don't really I mean, need look any Look at the success of Just Dance on a... Crazy. On, on Inexplicable Wii. given that it's a bad it's game. Rubbish. Yeah. yeah, and it, you, well, I was, I was watching um, TV just the other day, and a commercial came on for Just Dance, and not Just Dance, sorry, uh, Dance Central. And I just, I was, I was looking at, it, I was thinking, you know what? It's true. It still is true that Dance Central is the killer app for mm-hmm. Kinect. It is the game you can't play anything like Dance Central anywhere else, and it's so good at what it does. Like, like genuinely, like games don't get cleverer, cooler, or bigger in Dance Central. It's just the perfect connect game and you can't play anywhere else no one's got that technology no one you can't can even make that technology no. because microsoft have got the patents <laughs> so heavily locked down and every co- they bought up every company that can make yeah. the tech dan central is like is huge and i think you'll see a lot of development in those games uh, you know if anything dan central was like almost too good a start yeah it was it's the, it, where do you go from there i don't know we'll see at e3 uh, Andy Ross says, do you think that the Portal 2 orphan controversy is another Mass Effect sex scandal? Uh, Mass Effect Fox News sex scandal, I should add. Oh, this and people is need to, bullshit. It people need to, to think about what, what you're talking about. And people yeah. need to man up or think it's, or do you think it's genuinely infes- offensive? So uh, yesterday we saw a news report online. It was an American news to be channel. Fair, it's some local news channel in a America. A local news channel. Reported, like watched by 30 people. Reported on like Portal is offensive to people who were adopted because there's a scene where uh, the antagonist in Portal uh, makes fun of Shell. Yeah, for makes being fun of Shell for being an orphan, orphan. having no parents. And I think she he, uh, she's called something like Fatty Fatty Orphan or yeah, something. Fatty, like. fatty, yeah, Fatty Orphan, you Fatty Fatty Orphan, and all this stuff. And it's just like, how does it make you feel? Yeah, your parents, got no parents and all this stuff. It's not even a controversy. There is no story here. It's, you know what? It's our fault. It's our fault for making a big story. Games, games press, uh, online websites. You know, we, we everybody went and reported it. It's like, oh yeah, this is, they're, they're taking a shot at gaming. They're not. They're just making a story out of nothing. It's like, what was it? What is that I compared it to? Like in a movie, Spider Man. Spider Man, yeah. So Spider Man's an orphan. It'd be like having a bit in Spider Man where someone goes, Ah, Spider Man, your parents are dead. Or Batman. Ah, Batman, because your parents are I dead. killed your parents, Batman. Yeah, like it would be, it'd be like having seen that movie and then someone sitting in the audience going, oh my God, I'm so offended. <laughs> I, uh, my parents were killed. My, my parents also were killed. And this is, uh, this is disgusting. It's like taking personal offence because, and it's not even like the joke. It's like when someone gets up on stage pretend, or something pretending to be a racist or a sexist. Mm. 
and makes this joke, but the joke is actually on them. Yeah. It's like the point is, like, you know, you laugh at you, the you laugh, you laugh at the person making yeah. it because they're ignorant, because yeah. they're stupid, and like that's the point. The character who's insulting you in Portal Two is ignorant and dumb and they think it's a funny thing to make fun of you for being an orphan mm. when you don't care less you couldn't care less that you're an orphan you're just yeah. you're just working on you know your prob- your own problems it's like they're making themselves look stupid like it's like the news channel picked up this story with absolutely no sense of context no sense of irony no. whatsoever and reported it as this game is judging people for not having parents that is outrageous what a non-story yeah. What a nonsense, bullshit, non-story, piece of shit, crap journalism, journalism, rubbish, bullshit. End of. I was I was actually quite pleasantly surprised at the end when the woman was like, "To be fair, the family says they really like the rest of the game. It's only this. <laughs> one, it's only this one line. Like it's a they good educational game. It's a kids game though." Yeah, they call it an educational game, which in a way is educational. I think they were saying it was for children because it was a three and up. Um, yeah, it was an interesting, like you say, it was a non-story. Part of me feels a little bit sorry. Well, part of me does feel sorry for the family because I guess it was an awkward situation. Yeah. But I think it just needs just that common sense just to say, look, the joke is that the it, person I, insulting I, I think I've told this story before and it makes my mum sound like a maniac, but I'm going to tell it again. When I was a little kid, um, I watched Robocop. And my mum said to me, Afterwards, she's like, you know, I didn't, I didn't want you to watch Robocop. Of course, you watch all these films over your, like, your friend's house, don't yeah. you? It's like, because he's going to have big brothers who can rent these movies. She's like, I, you know, I didn't want you to watch Robocop, right? I was like, yes. She's like, now listen, you know, it's not real. I, I remember looking at her like, are you stupid? Like, of course I know it's not real. Mum, come on. But that's what a good parent does. Yeah. A good parent stay, like, says the obvious thing. Like, a good parent sits when, you know, when a kid, a child is playing Portal 2, sits there and a good parent will sit there and say, well, you know what's going on here, right? Yeah, because, you know, he's stupid. He's making these jokes because he's the small one. He's the small character. And he, he insults you because he feels small. And he's not insulting you. He's insulting the character in the game, mm. the person you're playing. And the kid's going to be sitting there looking at the parent going, yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, I'm not completely thick, but that's what a good parent does. And that doesn't, it looks like that's not what happened in this case. Mm. So, you know, that's, that's a real shame. Uh, Terry Moore wants to know if the LA Noir pre-order content will be available to all those who are, um, you know, unwilling to order pre-order copies. I think we touched on that earlier. Yeah, I think we absolutely will. think it will all be available. Yeah, I mean, you don't make content for a game and then restrict it to just no. like ten people because it takes. That's like especially in LA Noir when there are hours and hours of time yeah, recording. Uh, uh, years, man, years were put into every case on that game. You know, a team of a hundred were working every hour God they God sends to make this game, and you're not gonna take all that work and just give it to like a few hundred people we'll wrap up with a question from Susano which kind of looks forward to E3 in a, in a sort of way uh, she says she or he says I don't know actually um, right does anyone actually need an Xbox 720 right now um, I think the Xbox 360 has enough steam left for a few more years and we've only recently started getting games like Crisis 2 with Amazo graphics developers are just getting just starting to unlock the 360's true potential so um can we just stick with 360? So this year is an interesting one because there's, there's going to be new hardware from Nintendo, a yep. new under-the-TV console from Nintendo. Playable as Playable well. at the show. Yeah. Uh, we've heard some rumours about that. We've heard a lot of bullshit rumours. At this, at this point, there's so much bullshit that if any of the rumours were true, it wouldn't matter. No. There's so much misinformation and disinformation 
that if any of it were true, it would get lost in amongst all of the nonsense. Um, who knows what it's going to be? It's going to be exciting in any case. Yeah. Any time Nintendo announces new hardware, it's exciting. I, I, I'm sad because I don't actually think I'll get to go to the conference. I think I'm only going to get to go to the Microsoft one. I've already got a, an appointment booked up during the Sony conference. It's so I don't tough get to, to do all of the conferences, man. It's yeah. tough to do all of them when you're over there. That's why, honestly, there's a lot of people at home saying, oh, man, I'd love to be a games journalist. I'd love to go to E3. E3 is a hell of an experience, but I went last year and this year I'm kind of looking forward to sitting and watching it from home because you get a feel for the whole show. Mm. When you're at E3, I remember finish being on Tuesday night, which was like a, a full day after the Microsoft conference, a full... 12 hours after Nintendo and Sony had had their conferences, saying what happened at the Sony conference, because nobody knew. No, only people who were actually there knew. You had to find someone who mm. knew was there. You don't get an overall impression of the show. It's really, really hard, unless you can find yourself a decent Wi-Fi hotspot. You need, like, a... They need to put, like, a giant ticker bar. Yeah. Just, like, with all the hottest announcements yeah. or something. Yeah, I remember um, hearing about Charlie Eden getting, uh, getting announced at the Ubisoft conference, which okay. I didn't go to, the following day, and have to make a, like, run around trying to get an interview with Tetsuya Mizuguchi, because <laughs> I had no idea it had been announced. Mm. So that's... You, you kind of... E3 is great, but you're like a horse in a race with blinkers on. Mm. You can't see anything but what's right in front of you. Whereas at home, you see everything, and that's, that's a cool place to be. Um, so Nintendo announced a new machine. Sony are not announcing, but they are properly revealing now the NGP PSP2. Yeah, That's going to be a big deal as well. That's going to be hot. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if both Microsoft and Sony confirmed that they're working on the next generation of consoles, but they won't show anything. I think what they'll do is they'll just say, in a throwaway line, like, and of course, you know, we are working on... Yeah. The taking the Xbox brand into the next decade or I, something like that. I did find it interesting that every year at GDC, we've been able to look at the Unreal um, press conference, the, the Epic showing, and kind of see what Epic were doing with Gears of War. Yeah. So last year... It's I always a look GDC. into the future, right? Yeah, so last year I went and um, they were saying, oh, we can do all these things with spline curves and we've got this like foliage and stuff. And sure enough, Gears rolled around at E3 and there were jungly bits and yeah. bright, luscious greens. I was like, yeah, I saw Gamescom's that. Always the pre- is always the preview of what you're going to get in uh, G- GDC. Yeah. yeah, so it's always the preview of what you're going to get. That's always been the case with Epic. Yeah. They reveal some stuff saying, look what our engine can do at GDC. And then you see it in action yeah. at E3 with their big game. This year at GDC, the, the message of, of Unreal was like, we need we, more power. Yeah, yeah, we're ready for the next gen. Yeah. We want more memory. We want because more everything. what they showed off was um, was their, not a game, their but their tech demo, the their vision for the future. It's, and it's not even Unreal 4. It's Unreal 3, a really high-level version of it. Like, they call it 3.9, jokingly, mm-hmm. I think. And it was this thing, engine, running on an existing PC, mm-hmm. a very high-end PC. Probably, like, you could run the demo on the PC I've got at home. It would run, 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 run yeah. very well. But it's running on a PC, the technology exists mm-hmm. to run that game, right? That non-game, that demo, right now, but not on console. No. Basically, it was their call saying it's time, it's time, and but, they weren't the only ones who've come out in the last few months no. saying, you know what, it's time to move on. So that alone, just that indicator alone, makes me think maybe we'll see something. I think, I, I, I think CryEngine two and Frostbite two are the peak. Yeah. That's it. 
We've hit. We've hit. Uh, at this that point, we've hit. I mean, you tend pit. to always get like the, the best games coming in the final years of a console's life, and uh, you know it's happened all, all the way through. Shadows of the Colossus, Metal Gear yeah, Three. You know, these, they came, these games came out very late for the PS2. I think we maybe. I can see us entering a phase now where those games are starting to roll out. Yeah. Uh, I think a Bioshock Infinite will be one of those games. Well, absolutely. Infinite will be one of those games where you're just like, wow, man, what a waste for the console yeah. to go out. I think 2012 is the last year of this current generation. Maybe not for Sony, because they would lose a lot of face if they announced it so soon. But given their technical problems of late... I was going to say, because they've got so the- issues, do they almost not need to say, okay, that one was a write-off? Yeah, it's, it's, well, I don't say they would write it off, but I think it might have sped up development on their next mm-hmm. generation, for sure. I mean, they, they, how could it not? They've had so many uh, woes of late. Yeah. But... It would be a bit of a sweet thing if they do. I mean, part of me would be like, yeah, new tech, brilliant, that's really exciting. But part of it would be like, do we need it? You know, is it absolutely necessary to have this now? Because there's still so much we could do. Well, I think when we say now, we're sort of looking at 2011. And I think by this point in 2012, we'll all be sitting here going, yeah, we could yeah. probably use a bit more power. Because there's a lot of developers who are developing amazing games, but they, 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 you have to develop with console in mind now. And they know what they could do with them yeah. if they went on PC. They know what they could do if they just took a current level, like generation PC, and went wild with it. Mm. They know what they could make the new Ghost Recon look like. Yeah. Or the size. I mean, it's not even about what they could look like. It's about the size of the levels you could build when you've got loads of RAM yeah. to play with. It's about, it's about the kind of the number of enemies you could. Can you on imagine? Screen. Can you imagine now if the 360 hadn't had its RAM doubled? Oh, it would look like it would just be ridiculous. It would be, be it would be finished. It would be over. Because uh, it was, you know, for people who don't know, it originally had 256 meg of RAM. They boosted it to 512. And that sounds ridiculous. 512 meg of RAM? Yeah. Jesus, dude, my PC's got like 8 gig yeah. of RAM. <laughs> I know, exactly. I'm thinking that right now. I, I haven't got a monster PC. It, it runs The Witcher 2 pretty nice. I was playing that last night. I think that's a strong game. Um, my PC is not a monster. It's just a modern, good quality PC. And it's running games. I play a lot of console games on there with a controller often on my TV. Mm. But like you play Batman Arkham Asylum at 60 frames with anti-aliasing at the wazoo. Man, does that game look yeah. good. And you've got to look at that and think, if the next Arkham Asylum, if the third Arkham Asylum game were developed with only PC in mind, the things they could do at this point are just... Mm insane the number of enemies you can put on screen the size of the environments you can build the detail you can build now one of the big challenges of the next generation is the asset pipelines like just building assets to that resolution yeah. and in that number that's the big challenge of the next i mean generation. games have never been more expensive to develop teams have never been bigger than they yeah. are now and they're about to get harder and yeah bigger. that's the challenging thing how where's the balance developers where, where need do you better yeah. tools Basically, they need better tools and better engines and easier tools to use and better pipelines, better production and better managers. Mm. Like people who are like good producers this generation, they're going to shine next generation because it's going to take such strong-willed and strong-minded people to shepherd games through when you're looking at games which could potentially have six-year development cycles. Like nobody wants that. Nobody wants games that take that long to make. Make no mistake, when we do bring in the next generation, most of the first generation of the next generation games will look like a lot of the games we got right yeah. now. I mean, that's what happened last generation. Far Cry Instinct's Predator, Perfect Dark Zero, they don't look that far ahead of no. previous generation games. I mean, looking back, it's a joke when you put them next to Crisis 2. It's hard to believe it's the same hardware. Yeah. 
Like, so in the next generation, even if we do get another generation, we ain't going to see that shine until <clears> probably, <throat> if you look at this generation as indicator, it'll be 2018. If they brought in a new console next year, it would be, it sure won't, it'll be 2018 before we see it really shining. That's how far ahead into the future that like, mm. you're, you're looking. But you know what? Companies like Microsoft, companies like Sony, companies like Nintendo, they don't play five-year games. They play 30-year games. Mm. They, they're looking that far ahead at where they want their machines to be. You know, they're reactive. They'll, they'll, they'll do stuff as they need to. But the reason the Xbox exists is because Microsoft wanted to have a Microsoft-branded box under every TV yeah. by 2020. It wasn't, it wasn't about games. It was about having a box which controls all media into that home. I'm just waiting for Activision Blizzard to announce a World of Warcraft box. <laughs> hey, you know what? It's not beyond the realms of possibility. Imagine that. And, uh, like, 50 quid unit, you plug it into your Imagine telly. that. Imagine that with a keyboard <sighs> and a, a little like, lap board. Amazing. It, it, you know, stuff like that's perfectly possible. Mm. Next generation of consoles is going to be weird. If nothing else, it will be weird. You know, the, my, my prediction for what Nintendo is going to announce is a cloud gaming console. Like, not pure cloud gaming. Mm. Like, you'll have a disc slot still. But Nintendo have done this before, remember? Remember the uh, Satellaview? The Japanese-only SNES Satellaview? Which was, yeah. they would stream games live to people's machines. You would download the game, and they would actually have a guy talking over the game, and mu- like live action, live music being played. I mean, they've, they've always tried to do similar things like this. I, I, I remember, like, Four Swords. If you think about Four Swords, they wanted you to have a GameCube 4 Game Boy Advance link cable. Well, what I'm talking Everybody about with, uh, isn't even about like screens on the controllers, which is a lot, a lot of people have been saying. It's more about them being able to stream games to your console from uh, somewhere else, and you'll be able to play a game that isn't on your machine. Like so, like, like on live, like on live, just like on live. And like I could see that happening, and if they do that, they'll be the first console to do it. You can do it on PC already, but they'll be mm. so ahead of the curve on cloud gaming. And cloud gaming, I don't think the world's quite ready for it yet. No. But if you're talking about a five-year game, in five years from now, cloud gaming will be ready. And Nintendo will be the ones who had that big head start. Like, you know, that's not outside the realms of possibility. Bear in mind, Nintendo are already in with non-gamers anyway. Yeah. So that's a whole new audience. You've got, this, you've got this machine that you can put under the TV and... As a cloud gaming machine, all it needs basically is a Wi-Fi card and a way for you to control the game that's on screen and input uh, what method. And surely it'd be backwards compatible with the Wii Remote because you can't imagine them scrapping. The thing about cloud gaming is like there's no limit. The box under your TV can be as weak as you like and the thing they're streaming to it can be so high-end. You can stream Crisis to an iPhone. Like, you know, that's that's what you can do with cloud gaming. Like, there's, there's no limits. The limit right now, unfortunately, is uh, the speed of light. You can't you can't break the speed of light, and uh, unless you get hubs in like every major city across the globe, which is streaming and stuff, mm. then you're always gonna have that slight input delay. But you know what? Does input it's delay matter to Nintendo it's, consumers? It's when uh, every corner has a Nintendo building there. Yeah, they'll, they'll take over like Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like does that's any, Project Cafe, right? Starbucks. Does anyone mind have, blown? And hey, maybe you know what? Maybe <laughs> and, and uh, that's the thing, right? Nintendo. The consumers they appeal they they appeal to aren't the guys who are counting latency in, in frames per second. No. Everybody just want to have fun playing a game, and if they can spend ten quid to subscribe to a Nintendo cloud gaming service, you know it'd be big. Mm. You know it'd be big. People are already ready for that. They already have Netflix accounts. They already get TV through iPlayer. People are ready for this, and if Nintendo were the first to go with it, they get the big head start. Just like Microsoft had the big head start last generation with the Xbox 360. They had, they had the head start and it's, it won them the generation. Yeah. Well, 
Yeah, count the way. Yeah. Let's just talk about before we go some of our plans for E3. So you'll be podcasting live from the show, right? Hopefully. That's the plan. Um, I'm going to be out there with a bunch of guys from Future, the only one from Xbox World going. Uh, and I'll be sending a lot back to the office. Yep. Interviews will be going straight back to the office to be transcribed. So our July issue is going to be big, fat, fat with content. Juicy, packed with things. We are actually, it's worth mentioning, we are actually seeing a few E3 demos prior to E3 next week and the week after. You and I are going to be going around the country. And getting the country. Say, and that getting exactly the same demos as we as I would be getting at E3 yeah. to free up some space so I can do other things which means we get a good head start on some amazing content yeah. genuinely amazing content yeah so there'll be a couple of big games for sure that will that will feature in a bigger way next issue yeah uh, just because we've got the time to, to do it um, yeah and hopefully podcast from the, maybe not from the E3 show so for, po- podcast it, from the hotel I yeah, think yeah it won't be with us it'll be with uh, our friends on Endgamer our friends on OPM and our friends on OXM. Maybe. Maybe. It'll be some of them. Yeah. We, we might be doing a few different podcasts. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know, I'm still going to try and get back in touch with Tim and Mike and see if we can do it. So, a, and that's done. Back home, Tim and I will also be podcasting with an instant reactive podcast. This is how instant it's going to be. We're not even coming to the studio to record it. The way we record things here in Bath is we, um, we have our studio in another building. It's a 10-minute walk between the two and... We don't want to take 20 minutes out of our day just walking to and from and then another 20 minutes setting up the equipment and getting How many games would have been up. announced? But <laughs> exactly. We're getting mic'd up. So Tim and I are going to sit in our office at, on the, just on our side of, the, of Bath and we're going to record live straight in, just get the audio on whatever device we can get. Hey, iPhone 4 has got a broadcast quality mic. We might just do it there. It'll be a little bit tinny. It'll be a little bit raw, but that's the way. And it probably won't even have a musical intro, but that's the way you like it. Raw, raw and uncensored. No editing, just straight off the cuff. This thing, so edited. We'll cut out all my swearing, cut out all Matt's swearing, all the sexist jokes he makes. We cut all that stuff out. But this one will be raw, uncensored, instant reaction to the Microsoft's conference. Instant reaction to the games that will be announced on the floor that day. And if possible, we'll get a little word back from Matt and it'll be on there as well. That will hopefully be on iTunes. It will definitely be available on our blog. Definitely available through Twitter. Through Twitter. Definitely available through Facebook. You need to watch all those channels because we're going to be pumping out content through the whole of E3. It's going to be a big one, man. Very big. And that's it. That's it for our podcast today. Thank you for listening. Quite a long one just for the two of us. Mm. Quite impressive. Um, so we'll be back. I think there's time for one more podcast before the E3 show. Yep. And then we'll hit you with uh, with multiple podcasts. Yeah, it's going to be a good... It'll probably, we'll probably get at least uh, three reactive podcasts out of the thing. It will say at least three, at most three in reality. <laughs> but def- definitely two or three. And then there'll be a podcast from Matt over in uh, Los Angeles. Don't get to pack your suntan lotion on it. We'll, uh, we'll see you in two weeks' time. Bye-bye. Bye. bye. bye.